thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. There's not a moment in our lives when you're not there, and we are truly grateful. You're our helper. You're our counselor. You are our comforter. We thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you. What a joy and what a privilege it is to come together as the church of Jesus Christ, to be here in this place. We do not take it for granted. We do not treat it as light. You have given your blood for us, Lord Jesus, and we thank you that you've called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. But not only have you called us out of darkness, you've called us towards one another. This is not man's design. This is your design. We thank you that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it may have been down on its knees. It may have suffered from isolation. But we thank you. Your church is resilient. Your church is robust. It can take every knock and every impact. It can go through all of the many seasons. And it will not be broken. It will not be demolished. Not because of our resolve, but because of your resolve to build it. Jesus, we thank you for your church throughout this country and throughout this world that it is that city on a hill. And whilst it is here, we thank you that it offers hope and life to all of the nations about it. We thank you for it. And we are so thrilled to be part of it. We give you praise. We give you honor. What a joy it is and a privilege it is to be a part of your wonderful, wonderful family, the very bride and body of Christ. Amen. Why don't you just give Jesus a wonderful shout of praise for his church. You may be seated. And let's thank our musicians. What a wonderful morning this morning. Well, today I'm going to start a new series of messages with you that I'm calling Making Your Life Count. And over the weeks ahead, we're going to look at people who did exactly that. They made their lives count for Christ and for his kingdom. I'm really excited about this message and these messages ahead because they started stirring inside me over 18 months ago. So I'm telling you, this, this word inside me has been waiting and developing for the last 18 months, and I haven't been able to get it out because the Holy Spirit has had other things to say. But I'm telling you, this word this morning gives me great joy. And um, it's been in waiting for the last 18 months, so I pray that it will bless you as we go ahead and explore it. We're going to look at people who made their lives count for Christ. And his kingdom. And to do that, we're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 16. And it's the last chapter in this incredible letter that Paul wrote to believers in Romans. The final chapter. And it's so special because Paul here in this chapter is sending out personal greetings and commendations to his dear friends, to people that he loved very much. Throughout this chapter, Paul is recognizing people who had laid down their lives for the cause of Christ 
and his church. If you lay your life down, if you claim to lay your life down for Christ, the fruit of that decision, listen carefully, the fruit of that decision will be that the church is greatly blessed, enriched, and strengthened. You cannot, I'm telling you now, you look at the Word of God, you cannot claim to lay your life down for Christ and for the church not to be blessed, strengthened, and enriched. And that's what we see through this chapter, Romans chapter 16, deep devotion to Jesus resulting in rich relationships and growing church. Now, in the previous 15 chapters of this letter, Paul has laid out great doctrines of the Bible. But in this final 16th chapter, we see that it's all about, not doctrine, it's all about people. In this chapter, Paul mentions over 30 names of sisters and brothers who he dearly loved. And if we were to count the groups of people meeting together as the church in their homes that Paul also mentions, the number would far exceed that. Some were in Corinth with him from where he had just finished his letter to the Romans, but the majority were in Rome. All of these people, now I'm laboring this this morning before we get into this chapter because there's some important things that we need to establish as we move towards it. All of the people that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 16 were of exemplary character. Behind each name, there was a story, a story of conversion, a story of commitment, a story of selfless service to Jesus Christ. These weren't just hot-headed high talkers. These were people that put their feet on the ground and did something for Jesus. All of them lived through hardship, and their faith came under great attack as they were living in the Roman Empire, faced with very real hostilities. And yet, in spite of all of these dangers, in spite of all of these threats, they shined as lights in their world. You know, Faye last week brought, I'm telling you now, an amazing word about living generously. If you've not listened to it, I tell you, I encourage you to listen to it several times. I, I said to Faye, I honestly believe that she needs to preach that message at least once. You could do it a couple of times every year. We want, I certainly do as pastor here, that word to be a hallmark of our lives. She spoke about living generously what it means to have a generous life. And what I loved in what she said was how she made it very practical as to how to take it up immediately and begin to live it without delay. You can claim to be a follower of Christ, but if there isn't a generous outflow we have to question whether we've got his life inside us or not. You can't be stingy and bitter and vengeful and re remorseful. If the life of Jesus Christ is in you, it wants generous expression in all of the relationships and all of the interactions that we have with people. If Christ is in you, you will be generous. If Christ is in you, people won't know what has hit them when they meet you because of the abundance and the rivers of life and blessing within you that they experience. Followers of Jesus should be the most generous people 
that walk the face of this earth. It was powerful, powerful word. And honestly, I'll tell you this now, and I, 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 I don't make mention about Faye much at all, but I have been her husband. I have had the privilege of being her husband for the last 22 years. And the reason why that message is so powerful is because every single day of the last 22 years, she has lived that life. She has walked that walk. I'm telling you now. And I, I, I am, I, that is not an exaggeration. I am not saying that. For any other reason than it is the truth. She's lived it in our home. As my wife, as mother to her children, and as a co-pastor with me in this church. She's lived it for the last 22 years. That's the way to live life, to live it generously, to live it well, to live it abundantly in all of our interactions with people. The generous life is the most attractive life that you or I can live and it's right inside of you. You're loaded with the life of Christ. It's just come into that place, like Paul came to that place, where he said, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. When we come to Romans chapter 16, we see such a beautiful picture of lives lived so abundantly so selflessly, immersed in generosity. Line after line is filled with the names of people who are using everything they are and all they have to be a blessing to others. What a way to live. I love how the Apostle Paul in this very chapter shows us such a great diverse group of friends joined together in one accord, not all doing their own thing, but joined together as friends, as sisters, and brothers in one accord, living for Christ in their time. These people are all from different backgrounds. Some have high-standing positions alongside others with no social status, here in this chapter, you have the highly educated shoulder to shoulder with the illiterate. You have the wealthy alongside the poor. You have the free alongside the slave. You have ministry gifts with profound understanding of the scriptures traveling global, globally, strengthening the church, standing side by side with others who aren't traveling anywhere but to their place of work every day. But there's a respect among them all. They're all honoring one another and their different positions in life to be a light and an influence and a witness right where they were to everyone Paul gives equal importance because each and every one of them, irrespective of their social status, had a special place in his heart. And that speaks volumes to us about the Apostle Paul. Because Paul wasn't just a master theologian or a great preacher or a prolific church planter. Paul was a man that loved and valued people. He was a great friend maker and a soul winner. People were at the heart of who Paul was everywhere he went. He was always looking for new relationships to form. Always seeking to enrich and enhance the friendships that he'd already had. This man saw value in everyone. He loved to celebrate the work of others. He loved to celebrate 
the labor of his brothers and sisters as they served Christ and took the things of God forward in their time. And we see him doing this over and over again as he writes his letters. Paul had such a high regard for every believer in Christ to the point that you find him over and over again addressing them as saints. Saints. Such a high regard for the church. Such a high regard for people and individuals that Jesus had gave, given his blood for. Paul was never harsh or critical with his words or cold or condescending. He saw the believers of God as saints bought with the precious blood of Jesus. So what we see as we read Romans chapter 16 is Paul bearing his heart about individuals that mattered greatly to him. Some of the most turned to chapters throughout Romans would be the chapters that contain the great doctrinal truths or the comfort in scriptures that we find in Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for God, for, for, for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. We've all got our favorite verses in the book of Romans and many of them are found in those first 15 chapters where Paul so wonderfully teaches the great doctrinal truths of the Bible. But it's important not to miss the message that we find in Romans chapter 16 and the list of names that Paul places before us. Because when we examine them, we can be encouraged by their example and by their walk of faith. One of the points that Paul is making through this chapter is of how, how blessed we are to have such a large circle of brothers and sisters in Christ around us. Christianity does not work in isolation. It really doesn't. You can't do it on your own. You're part of a body that's called together, that's joined and made one as a result of God's Spirit. And the emphasis of this chapter, Romans chapter 16, is on how precious people are and how we need each other so very much. With the body of Christ, a body that's not dismembered, a body that is precious, where every member and every joint is brought together and knit as one. I've said it. But the only, the only thing that has the undivided tension, attention of Jesus and his unchanging promise to build is the church. It's the church. It has Christ's undivided attention and it has his promise to build it. It's where he puts all of his investment in. It really is. The world-renowned Sigmund Freud, who was the father of psychoanalysis, once said, I have found little that is good about human beings on the whole, in my experience, most of them are trash. That was the sum total of a man's opinion who did not believe in God and who obviously had little regard and very little love, if any, for people. But oh, how different the attitude of St. Paul was. He loved people. He had the love of God inside him. And that meant that he valued and prized people that came into his life. Paul never saw people 
as trash with very little good in them. It was the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 to verse 23 that said this, Even though I am free, I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the Lord of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. That is a man that does not see people as trash. That is a man that does not see little good in, in the society around him. That is a man that has the love of God burning inside him that just wants to use his life as a gener generous expression of love to anybody that he can find, whether they're religious, irreligious, whether they are strong, whether they are weak, irrespective of where they are in life. If they are living if they are breathing, this man had a passion to reach them, to reach them, and not to be some kind of weird idiot, but he had the love of God burning in his heart that was practical. Every day, he'd get up, and there was a love inside him burning that needed expression. And it was a generous, overflowing, rich river of life of Christ. It was also this man that urges everyone in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, not to be self selfish, but to prioritize the needs of others above your own life. Listen to verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2. I mean, my God, it's incredible. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others, too. I mean, you can count in your own time the amount of commands that you get just from those two lines. Wonderful advice. Wonderful direction to live this generous life that's inside. And then, I mean, we could go on and on, but just let me give you another one. And then, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, Paul exhorts... Further, and he says this, verse 24, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. This is a man that's living generously. This is a man that has found the secret to abundant living, and he wants to share it with everyone. What a privilege we have through the power of the Holy Spirit to lay ourselves down and to give our lives as a gift of God's love to anyone and everyone that we meet. Paul always sought to prefer others above himself. You can't live like that if you see people as trash with little good in them. No, Paul had the love of God burning inside him. And anyone that he met became the recipient of this wonderful, wonderful love. 
He made his life count through laying it down for Christ and for others. Now, for the time that we have remaining this morning, we're going to focus on the first person that Paul commends in Romans chapter 16. And it's a lady. Ladies, hear this. The first person that Paul commends, the first person that Paul greatly honors in Romans chapter 16 is not a man. It's a lady. It's a lady that's at the top of Paul's list. A lady called Phoebe, or as he calls her, a sister in Christ. Romans chapter 16, verse 1 through to 2, Paul says this, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Amazing words. An amazing commendation. And it's important to see the magnitude of these words and to not underestimate them and to understand completely what's being said here. Because Paul is commending this lady, Phoebe, to the church, not just to one or two, but to the church at Rome. And by commending Phoebe, Paul is personally recommending her, endorsing her for their acceptance. He's actually saying, when she comes to you, I am, it's as if I am standing next to her. I am giving her my personal endorsement, my personal commendation is on her as she visits you. He wants them all to have an open heart, open arms as she comes. The fact that Paul calls her a sister clearly shows us that she's a believer in Jesus. Paul is sending not just anyone. He's sending a sister in Christ. He's sending Phoebe to Rome, and she's going to undertake a 700-mile journey from Centuria to Rome. And the reason, the reason why Paul is sending her is because she has been tasked to carry the book of Romans from the hand of Paul to the leaders at the church in Rome. So Phoebe is a courier entrusted to take this vital, this vital important letter to this church that is under severe persecution. Many of the Bible scholars that you read in relation to Romans chapter 16 are in complete agreement as to why Paul is commending Phoebe so highly and why he is sending her to Rome. It's because she's the carrier of this incredible letter. This is an, an extraordinary assignment that Paul gives to Phoebe because this man who has been the conduit of the very words of God isn't going to put into the hands of anybody such a valuable and precious book. Phoebe was being chosen. Phoebe was being used by God as a vessel to transport one of the greatest theological treaties ever penned. More revivals 
have sprung and occurred as a result of the book of Romans, probably than any other book in the Bible, the Reformation. And the revelation of grace through faith alone comes through this book and Phoebe is the courier of it, the carrier of it to Rome. On arrival in Rome, it would be evident to all that Phoebe deserved their greatest appreciation and respect because she was the carrier of the Word of God to them. And it's obvious as you just focus on those two verses alone, Paul's high regard for this great lady. He could have put it in the hands of a man. But it proves that Paul wasn't a misogynist. Paul highly valued women in his ministry. And it went back all the way to the heart of Jesus as he elevated women who were downtrodden in his world. Paul wasn't a misogynist. Jesus wasn't a misogynist. Paul understood the vital role and ministry work of not only men, but women too. Paul put into the hands of this great lady the book of Romans for a very for, very, for a very good reason. Because this lady was a servant in the church. Now just let that lock into you for a moment. Think about that. This lady was a servant in the church. That's what we read in verse 1. She had an amazing reputation of being a servant in the church. This lady loved people. To hold such a high reputation as this, as being a servant in the church, you have to love the people that you're serving. She chose to lay down her life. She chose... To make her life count by being a servant in the church. And to attain such a title doesn't come overnight. There's no shortcuts. There's no quick routes to being a servant in the church. No, that kind of title, that kind of honor that is bestowed on a person comes after years of constant commitment, of laying down life for others. Certainly wasn't a term that the Apostle Paul threw around loosely. Phoebe loved the church and devoted her life to serving it. And that's why Paul sends her with the letter to the Romans and commends her so highly to them. Let's think for a moment about this word servant to understand exactly what Paul is saying about this amazing lady, Phoebe. A servant is an individual that gives their life away for the benefit of others. They make personal sacrifices in their lives to put the needs of others first. Service is never easy because there's always a personal price to pay. If being a servant were easy and unchallenging, requiring no personal sacrifice, you're probably not serving. A servant pays a personal price for the benefit of others. They give their time. They give their effort, they give their resources to the needs that they see about them in the moment. And this is how Phoebe lived in the church at Centuria. 
Just imagine it. When Paul asked Phoebe to go to Romans, if she had have responded. But Paul, it's a bit of an inconvenience to take a 700-mile journey to deliver a letter to Rome. Can't you deliver your own mail? Can't you make the trip yourself? Or what about if your attitude would have been, Paul, I've got more important things to do than to deliver your mail. Is it really that important? But no. No, no, no. That was not Phoebe's attitude. A fellow servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ had asked her, to deliver this precious revelation of God's Word. And she did it without question and without objection. Servants don't have questions or objections. They just have a will to serve, irrespective of the duty, irrespective of how menial it might be. Their whole life is to be generous and serving and helping and blessing others. The word servant also refers to one who runs errands on behalf of someone else. It's a picture of a person who is willing to be behind the scenes, a supporting help. And this was the role that Phoebe had undertaken in the church of Centuria. Phoebe wasn't a taker. Phoebe was a giver. She was a, a person who selflessly and sacrificially poured her life out for Christ and for the church. The church of Centuria that Phoebe served in faithfully was six miles away from Corinth. And when you read about the history of that church... It was possibly a smaller satellite church from the larger church at Corinth. But this lady was a notable example, having the reputation of one who served the church. And this, shouldn't this be one of our greatest goals? Shouldn't this be one of our greatest aspirations? To be a servant of those who have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Shouldn't this be our greatest desire? To be known as one who serves the church. Sadly, over the years, I've met people, maybe like you have, who have made it their passion to pull down the church rather than build it up. It saddens me every time I hear anyone speak disparagingly of the church of God. Because they are talking about not an institution or a social club or a society. They are talking about people who are blood-bought by Jesus Christ. Who are chosen. Who are being conformed and made and changed and molded to the very character of Christ Jesus. And you know, I don't say anything when I hear people talk disparagingly of the church. I just think to myself, well, I know that Jesus has one interest and one commitment and that is to build 
the church and to make it glorious and everything he died to make it. Hallelujah. Some people, sadly, would rather look. Listen, because you, you'll encounter them. And even in this chapter, Paul had to confront people who were trying to divide the precious work of God. And he said, he said, you mark them, you mark them out and avoid them. But I tell you now, people, there are some people, do you know what? They are just negative. Stay away from them. You can hear that, that, that their, their, their spirit is almost diseased. They always look for what the church isn't doing. And they ignore the wonderful things that the church is doing in their community and in their fellowship one with another. I love the church. I love this church. Not because I'm the pastor of it. Certainly because I'm the pastor of it. But I'll tell you something now. This church took me in when I was a broken young man and I pulled up outside in, in, a, in a car and I was too afraid to come in here. And loving people took me in. Dale was one of them with Alison. They had patience with me and they loved me and I saw healing in my life. And, and, and I had people in my life that spoke good into my life. How can I criticize a place like this? How can I be disparaging about the people of God that have given their lives for me and my family and my children? Church is a glorious place. It's not perfect. Far from it. The church is a wonderful place. It really is. And you are a wonderful body of people. You really are. Phoebe, I believe, loved the church. And she was known as one who served the church. When Paul was in Corinth, where he wrote the book of Romans, that's where he probably first met Phoebe. And he spent... Over 18 months in Corinth. So he had time, more than enough time to observe the character of this lady. And he makes an accurate comment about her life and her standing and about how she lived. It's women like this. That makes the church strong. Hear me well. It's women like this that make the church strong through their service. Godly women who lay down their lives to serve Jesus, come what may, serve Jesus and serve his people. We have ladies in this church that work and serve in the weekly running of what we do. And if they were taken out of the picture, let me tell you, this church would be at a great, let me emphasize, a great disadvantage. This church, I don't know about any other church, but I'm telling you as far as the King's Church is concerned, this church could not operate effectively without our sisters in Christ who serve the church. I tell you, this place isn't, is not run by men alone. This is not some kind of man's club, I can tell you. There are women in this church, if you took them out of the picture... I'm telling you, the running, the administration, organization, and management of this church, we would have a serious problem on our hands. So thank God for our sisters in Christ. Thank God for sisters in Christ that lay down their lives, who have not over a week or two weeks, but over years served 
the church. Paul understood this, greatly commends Phoebe to the church in Rome. They'd probably never met her, so he's endorsing her life, and the way he endorses her is firstly he calls her a sister. That's the first endorsement. The second endorsement is that she is a servant in the church. He honors her as she's carrying what is arguably one of the finest books in the Bible. Paul calls the entire church of Rome to help Phoebe in whatever manner she would have need of. And that is an open-ended request, instructing them. I mean, this is the weight that this lady carried in relation to the Apostle Paul. Whatever this woman has need of, she has given her life so selflessly, please make sure that you meet all of her needs when she is with you. Firstly, she's a sister in the church. Secondly, she's a servant in the church. But then thirdly, Paul in verse 2 endorses this lady all the more by saying, because she has been a helper of many. So now the reputation and the commendation is broadening and building and deepening all the more. She's known to be our sister. She's known to be a servant but she's also a helper of many. And Paul here is developing another thought about Phoebe's character, about Phoebe's life, because the word helper is different to the word servant that Paul used in verse 1. The word helper means that she's a supporter of the needs of others. And this kind of help was worked out practically on so many different levels. It could be inferring that she helped people financially. It could mean that she opened her home and was hospitable to anyone that had need. The needs of many differ vastly. But this lady Phoebe had an ability and a generosity within her to be a helper of Many. The word many literally means great number. And this is the same word that is used in Matthew chapter 4, verse 25, of large crowds, large amounts of people. And it's also used in Matthew 7, verse 13, of the many who are on the broad road. This woman wasn't just simply helping two or three people. This woman wasn't just an amazing servant in the church, outside the church. Now, there's another element, another area of her life that's being expressed outside the church. Her life is flourishing to the point that she is the helper of many in her community, wherever she is, she's using all of her resources of life to help anyone that's in need, anyone that comes across her path. If they have a need, they're going to be helped. She could have been a business lady, a person of wealth, some think. But whatever her background this lady was using everything that she had available to her to be a means of help to many. What a great testimony. What a great testimony. That's the testimony I want to have. A brother in the church. I want to be a brother in the church. I want to be a servant in the church. And I want to be a helper 
of many. Because that's what Jesus was. And that's what she was. And that's what everybody was in this wonderful list that Paul recalls in Romans chapter 16. I'm going to come to a close right now, but um, Faye read from Proverbs chapter 11 last week about the generous life, and I really, really do believe that this depicts this lady that we don't often hear about, a name that for many might be unknown, but Proverbs chapter 11 talks about generous people and how their lives are just getting bigger and bigger, more exciting and more abundant and more overflowing because they're being laid down for others. This is the type of life that we want. Proverbs 11 Verse 24 to verse 25, in the message translation, it says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped by God. I'd say Phoebe was living a generous life, focused on others, wanting to be a blessing. Whether it was inside the church, she devoted her life to serving it, not pulling it down or criticizing it, or looking for what the church isn't doing. She was focused on what the church was doing. Open arms. Open heart. Open home to meet the needs of others. And then right at the end, Paul finally adds this about Phoebe. And it's a precious remark. He says, and of myself as well. Paul was a man that needed people in his life. He was a master theologian. He was an incredible preacher. He was a prolific church planter. And for that, he went to prison. For that, he was shipwrecked. For that, he was beaten within inches of his life. He had a call from God that was burning, that, that, that brought about suffering and brought about all kinds of persecution. And, and on many occasions, it was doubtful whether Paul would get through the day. Paul needed people. And he looked at this lady. He says she served in the church so well. She's a helper of many, but she hasn't missed me out either. She's a helper to myself as well. Paul understood that Phoebe had a vital role in supporting him as an apostle in his missionary work. And you can't even begin to estimate the value that Paul is placing on this great lady in these two verses that he, where he commends her. Phoebe is an example of a woman that made her life count. Over the weeks to come, we're going to pursue this and we're going to take some breaks. Faye's got a few words on her heart. I'm telling you, man, exciting days ahead. Stephen Matthews is going to return, come in. He's going to encourage us. We'll take some breaks in between, but we'll come back to this because each and every one of us want to make our lives count. And the way that you make your life count, I'm telling you, is you lay it down for Christ. You serve the church. 
and you become a you become a helper of many in the world that you're in every single day. I'm going to pray right now before I do. I'm going to read the words of the greatest, let me tell you, the greatest servant that has ever lived. There is no there is no person that has ever lived like Jesus Christ. He is the servant of all servants. And I want you to hear what he said about being a servant before we pray. Mark chapter 10, verse 30, uh, verse 43 through to verse 45. Wonderful words. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Don't you just want to go after that? Don't you just want to make that your goal in life? Don't you just want to devote everything that you are to obey that instruction and that encouragement from your Lord and Savior, Jesus, to live and unpack this generous life, to be a servant in the background, helping and willing to meet the needs of others. Amen. I tell you, you're a precious people. You are a precious people bought by the blood of Jesus. Been through lots of seasons, lots of ups and downs, and thank God we're still here because of the resilience and the tenacity and the strength of the life of God within us. Father, I thank you today for your people. I thank you. We are gathered here today, brothers and sisters, brought together by your own hand. We are saints, called by you. Thank you for the many servants in this place that have laid their lives down to serve in the church. Thank you for many in this place, whether they're here physically today or whether they are watching online. Thank you. Many, many years have been given by the family of God in this place who have gone out into their world, into their work, and have been a blessing and a help to many. I thank you, God, that your eyes are upon the righteous. Your ears are open to their prayers. We thank you that each and every one of us, together, we might not be able to do it all, but the little bit that we can do, joined together, accomplishes much in you. So, Father, today, as I have given your word to your people, I pray that by your Spirit, as it's seeded into their hearts, you would water it, and, Lord, cause it to increase, that we would know the joy of this generous life that is in you, that is in us because of you. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.